What's up, everybody? I'm Dave Rubin. This is the Rubin Report Direct Message, and today is September 27th, 2021. I am back in studio after a week in New York City. I was catching up on some family stuff. It was actually the first time that my entire family, meaning my folks, my brother, my sister, their wives, husbands, kids, nieces, nephews, it was the first time that we all got together as one family physically in the same place since February of 2020, right before the lockdown. And uh, it was long overdue and well needed, so I appreciate you guys bearing with me uh, despite no shows last week. But I can tell you that going forward for the rest of the year, we're back to like a completely normal schedule. I have one or two little travel things that will pop up, but uh, we're back here five days a week, 11 o'clock Pacific, which is right now. Uh, today, guys, I uh, got a few things I want to talk about. Not going to do much on uh, COVID, and I had a little revelation about that, uh, which I'll, I'll get to in just a sec, but the three things that we're going to be covering uh, today are this potato man. You know this potato guy, Mr. Potato Head over on uh, CNN? He has a show called Reliable Sources, which, as I often tell you, is the most ironically named show in the history of television. It should be called Unreliable Sources, and then I would never have to talk about it because it would be what it is, and it would be sort of pointless. Uh, well, uh, Brian Stelter, yeah, that's the guy. He's the host. Uh, they're just getting worse and worse over there. He's supposed to be a media watchdog, and he's actually, like, basically the chief propagandist of CNN at this point. So we're going to show a little clip from his show yesterday. Uh, then something that you're really not going to see on, on his network of CNN. They're not doing much talking about this. We have an absolute disastrous crisis at the border right now at our Texas-Mexico uh, Texas border. I mean, there are just thousands and thousands of people flooding in. We're going to show you some video uh, and then we're going to show you some, uh, some chat between uh, Fox News's Chris Wallace, and uh, who is it? It is our, uh, it's our, who's the guy? Uh, oh, it's our Department of Homeland Security Secretary uh, Mayorkas. He was on Fox News yesterday trying to explain why we're letting people in and how many people we're letting in, and I think you're gonna see uh, that he doesn't quite know what he's talking about. Uh, and then finally, the Democrats uh, passed a really, really, really extreme federal abortion law yesterday um, or over the weekend. It, I mean, it's really, really quite extreme and we'll get to that. I mean, basically abortions up until birth and then, you know, we've talked before about uh, post-birth abortions. Uh, before we get to any of that though, I, I wanna talk about two things real quick. So I was in New York City for the week and then I was in Long Island and I hadn't been back to New York City. Well, I was actually in New York City once since this all began at the uh, debut night of Gutfeld way back in April. And I was really shocked how sort of New York City seemed like a ghost town. And I have to say that being back, I was shocked again because this time I was shocked how open the city was. Uh, for sure, Midtown, where normally, you know, you've got the huge buildings and the hustle and bustle of New York City and the city that never sleeps and all that, Midtown was you know, still somewhat quiet, but most of the residential areas, people were out and about. Very few people were wearing masks. Restaurants were open. Almost every restaurant now has an outdoor little, basically they've built sort of bungalows outside sort of on the street, but people were indoors, people were outdoors. You know, they have this thing now where you have to show the vaccine passport if you walk into stores, uh, but many stores I walked into, nobody asked me for a vaccine passport, nobody asked me to put on a mask. I went down to Chinatown, I went down to Little Italy, they were jam-packed and people were happy and smiling and the weather was great. 
And I mention all of this because, you know, as you know, for now I am here in Los Angeles and I was actually uh, shocked at the stark difference between Los Angeles and New York City. New York City still has like a fighting spirit to it and people are out and about living their lives. And again, if you wanna wear a mask, you can wear a mask and if you don't, you don't. Okay, it's all good. Um, so I was like actually pleasantly surprised, which was, which was very weird. So I just wanted to mention that because you know, we, we talk about all of these stories about how horrible the conditions are in a lot of these cities. And yes, there was plenty of homelessness in New York City. And yes, I saw someone shooting up basically on 34th and 7th, pretty close to uh, Penn Station. And you know, the city's dirty and there's police everywhere and all of that, but the general tenor of people being out and about and just kind of living was pretty good. Does it have a whole bunch of other problems that are probably only gonna get worse uh, because of the amount of progressives there? Yes, but just that people were there, uh, I thought it was pretty good. One other real, real quick thing, and then we're gonna get to, uh, to all the stories. Uh, so I was at home at my parents and uh, my dad said to me, he was sitting at the computer, I was sitting in the room, and he said, he said, you know, you gotta look at this. I keep getting all these emails from Twitter and they're always showing me things that are from people who don't like you or things that are literally me or people, you know, uh, things that you disagree with or a whole bunch of weird stuff. So I, I said, Dad, I didn't even know you were on Twitter. He said, I don't think I am on Twitter. Well, I said, let me see the email. So I look at his email and he does have an email from Twitter and it says he has an account. He said, he was like, oh, maybe I did make a Twitter account years ago, but I never go on Twitter. I looked at his phone. He doesn't have the Twitter app on his phone. He doesn't have the app on his desktop over there, never goes on Twitter, wasn't even sure he had an account. And uh, I said, all right, well, let's figure this out. So we sign into, we figure out what email it corresponded to. We sign into his Twitter account, okay? He did create a Twitter account about four years ago. He follows nobody, zero people. This is not white power, people. I, I just gave it, I gave it to Media Matters. My, <laughs> there you go, Media Matters. Uh, he follows zero people. Turns out he has three followers. They were all, we checked, they were three people that he knows that somehow found his account, but he follows zero people. And I look at his feed, and his feed is all like crazy lefty progressive things and literally YouTubers that hate me. And the entire feed is filled with all this, yet he follows no people. So we click over to some of the accounts that he's supposedly following because they're in his feed even though it says he has zero things that he's following, zero accounts that he's following, and it, he is following them. He is following them. So I was like, this is very weird. It says you follow zero people. You never use Twitter. They're sending you constantly emails that are seemingly always against me and for progressive causes and everything else. This doesn't make any sense. So then I, we were just looking around his account. It turns out that he one time, about four years ago, liked a tweet from me. That's the only tweet he's ever liked. He liked a tweet from me. It was when I was once on a show with Larry King and I said he was the best interviewer ever. My dad apparently liked that tweet. And then somehow, through the Twitter algorithm, they figured out a way to have him follow lefty accounts, even though he never clicked follow on any of them, fill his feed with that, and then send him emails about that stuff for four years, even though the one thing that he ever liked or interacted with at twitter.com uh, was something that I had tweeted out. Anyway, I say all of this to say, man, they are screwing with us in ways we cannot imagine. We know plenty of ways that they are with de-boosting and shadow banning and algorithmic tricks and making you watch certain things and hiding other things and reordering search results and all that stuff. We know all about that. But in this case, my own dad being force-fed videos that are either about me negatively or just filled with stuff that I wouldn't talk about and then having him follow these accounts. Of course, I did ta uh, tag 
Jack Dorsey on Twitter and asked him about it. He did not respond. Um, but I got to tell you guys, I, I really think my, my time on Twitter is limited because they are, they are evil. At this point, I don't know how we can say anything other than the way they are manipulating us. Just think, if that's just one little instance with my dad, just think how all of us could be getting hit with emails and things we don't follow and search results and all of that to actually change how we think about things. I mean, really think about it, what they could possibly be doing. It, it's bananas, as I often say. All right, guys, let's get to the stories. But before that, I wanna to talk to you about American Hartford Gold. You know, I'm sure I'm not the only one who's noticed everything is getting expensive, ain't it the truth? And with all this printing and spending by our government, I'm concerned the dollar's end is near. If the government continues its out of control printing and spending, the dollar could continue its free fall and lose its coveted role as the world reserve currency. Many believe that we'll see dark days ahead for the dollar. That's why now more than ever, I recommend you diversify your accounts with gold and silver. And the company I recommend is American Hartford Gold. They sell physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or inside of your IRA, and they make it easy. They are the highest rated firm in the country with an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau and thousands of satisfied clients. And if you call them right now, they'll give you up to $1,500 of free silver on your first order. So don't wait, give them a call. That's 866-219-9311. That's 866-219-9311. Or text Ruben to 65532. Again, it's 866-219-9311 or text Ruben to 65532. And now back to me. All right. You know, I often talk to you guys about how we should deal with the liars. Should we constantly expose the liars? Should we ignore the liars? Is there a gulag for the liars? What are we supposed to do? I'm not sure that I have an answer that I love yet. So for now, my main answer is that we must expose these people relentlessly. And while at the same time, uh, building better products and figuring out what it is that we all believe. But for now, we have to expose them because unfortunately they have a disproportionate amount of power and an awful lot of people who believe them. One of the prime purveyors of lies is CNN's Brian Stelter. And you know what? I won't lead any further. Here's his show yesterday. Yet he lays out one of these, you know, the, 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 exactly what you're describing, how it could all happen in 2024. It is, it is quite unnerving. And, and you say there's some cowards out there that don't want to talk about it. What do folks in the reality-based media do in the coming weeks? What's your advice for the press corps? I mean, my, my my advice for the press corps is to make to, is to is to drop the, the the fair and balanced about the one party and the other party. Who cares about the parties, right? The parties aren't really the story. The story is whether we have a democracy or not, and the behavior of the parties is 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 the actual story. I mean, so mm. I think that the main the main thing we have to do, and and you guys have done a lot in this direction, is to drop the pretense of American exceptionalism, drop the idea that democracy is just out there like the air we breathe, and ma and make democracy the story itself. We had we had minimal excuse to be surprised by 2016. We had no excuse to be surprised by the coup attempt in 2020. And if, we, if we're not prepared for an attempt for people to take power undemocratically in, in 2024, then we're just at this point pathetically naive. Preparing for that and getting the facts out so that people can prepare for that and prevent it is, is what you know colleagues in journalism should be doing. All right, in just a second, I'll get to everything that his guest, that law professor said. There's a lot of nonsense there. But uh, if you saw the Chiron there, that's the uh, little banner there that they put the little, you know, the headline of the story. It said, right-wing media is a safe space for liars. Well, Stelter, you're not gonna believe this. On the internet, we can clip things that you've done and show them. Take a look. 
so disappointing to look at what we're seeing from right-wing media these days where there's such an obsession with the deep state and these uh, revelations about the Russia pro. Latest on the Robert Mueller Russia investigation. Mueller investigation. The Russia investigation. Trump's Russia ties. And Robert Mueller. The real Russia story. Russia probe. The ongoing Russia probe. Russia probe. The Russia investigation. But Mueller and the Russia probe. Russia synergies. They wonder if Russia has compromising information on the president. What is the source for the president's claim that they have found no collusion with Russia? He misspelled collusion. Every day we're trying to keep track of the drip, drip, drip of the Russia investigation. Drip, 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 Trump and Russia to see whether Trump was secretly working for Russia. To bring it back to Russia and Russia and Russia. 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 Russia's in Russia. 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 Robert Mueller. Robert Mueller. Special counsel Robert Mueller. Robert Mueller. Robert Mueller. Robert Mueller. Robert Mueller. Robert Mueller. Mueller investigation. Mueller report. Russia conspiracy. Do you believe that he's colluding with Russia? I wish I could just say no. He's definitely not. That's crazy. Russia, Russia, Russia. Believe me when I tell you that was just one of many compilations of sort of fabricated half-assed stories that Mr. Potato Head over there has been pushing on the rapidly decreasing viewers of CNN, but unfortunately some of the people that watch it have a certain amount of influence. So who is putting misinformation out there, pretending that Trump was colluding with Russia and stole the election? Remember, that was what they ran with for four years. So I guess that guy works for the safe space of CNN that's a left-wing misinformation outlet or something to that effect. But now let's get to the content of what his guest said there. His guest, who is a law professor, by the way, and and, uh, and an author, um, he says that CNN should not be uh, impartial. Well, in that regard, uh, he's, I guess, telling them what they're doing because they're obviously not impartial, so he must be feeling good about that. We have to drop American exceptionalism I mean, that's his opinion, but I don't know why we would do that. You know, there's thousands of people trying to storm our borders right now because they still want to live here, despite the fact that everyone says how horrible we are. So maybe America still even in this hampered, you know, sort of kneecapped, broken leg state that we're in, maybe we are kind of exceptional still. Uh, And then, of course, he talks about the coup attempt. You know, the coup attempt where nobody brought a gun, Uh, the coup attempt that there were no plans to take over the government, the coup attempt that was done in three hours and the coup attempt that, you know, really wasn't a coup or any of that stuff. These people are maniacs. Like, I I don't know what we can do with these people. Like, you know, like, I don't want to put them in the gulag. I know they'd love to put all of us in the gulag. But at what point do we have to have like a real national conversation? I mean, everything that he's saying there is a lie. What Stelter, like he's doing that segment to make it seem like if you don't believe what he says, you're a bad person or you've suffered from misinformation or you're a liar, you know, you're of course you're a right wing maniac, everything else. And the problem is a certain amount of people believe that. Now, look, I suppose you guys watching this, you know, you, you don't believe that, but that means they're talking about you, right? They're not just talking about me, they're talking about you. So we, we need to figure out how we're going to take these two. Uh, it's not two truths. You have one thing that's true, and then you have one nonsensical thing, and they exist in the same universe. And how do we mesh these things to have sort of a cohesive, um, a cohesive worldview as as an American? Right? Like it's going to get tougher and tougher and tougher. These people are never. They've gone in so deep. Remember, half the country used to be racists. Now half the country's racists who also are sick and trying to kill you and kill your grandma and everything else. So it's like, 
basically at this point, if Stelter says something, maybe we should start doing a segment on the show. If Stelter says something, the opposite is true. Uh, let, let's just get like a whole list of times that he, he's done that. And by the way, it's not just him. It's, it's Lemon, it's Cuomo, it's the rest of the clowns on that, on that show, uh, or on that network, who often appear on that show. All right, I think, you, I, think I made my point. All right, I think I did. Uh, guys, let's talk about Startmail real quick. You know, free email services like Gmail and Yahoo aren't really free. You pay with your privacy. Internet giants bank on exploiting your data by selling it to the highest bidder. Your business plan, Google has it. Your medical records, Yahoo can sell them to drug companies. Personally, I don't wanna open myself up to identity theft and I can't imagine you do either. That's why I suggest using Startmail. It makes email safe again. Startmail keeps email private, period. When you delete an email in Startmail, it's gone forever and Startmail uses their own servers, not Amazon's, which means they can't be put out of business like Parler. Switching to Startmail is seamless too. You can easily transfer all of your current email data so there's no starting from scratch. You get unlimited anonymous aliases. This feature protects your main email address from spam and phishing attacks so that people can't sell your information and they can be deleted at any time. I keep saying the way to forward is to build competitive businesses that support our privacy values, which is why I value the service Startmail provides. Your cybersecurity has never been more at risk. Take control of your privacy with Startmail before it's too late. Start securing your email privacy with Startmail. Sign up today and you'll get 50% off your first year. Go to startmail.com slash Ruben. That's start with a T, S-T-A-R-T, mail.com slash Ruben for 50% off your first year. Startmail.com slash Ruben. And now back to me. Uh, all right, so, uh, you know, if you watch the, uh, the CNN uh, network that we were just talking about, you're not gonna see much about the border, right? And if you open up the New York Times, you're not gonna see much about the border. And if you read the New York, uh, the Washington Post or watch MSNBC or all of these things, you're not gonna see much about the border because there is a crisis at the border and we have a Democrat administration. Uh, and, you know, because they're kinda in cahoots, right? The media and the Democrats are in cahoots. Like, if you don't see that at this point, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, when things aren't going well, they're always going to run cover for it. And of course, if there were thousands of people flooding our borders and say Trump or another Republican was president, they would be telling us all sorts of crazy things, right? This would, they would be leading the story, the incompetency of the Trump administration. They'd be mocking him for not building the wall et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, right now we've got literally thousands and thousands of people uh, at our border with Texas. Basically, Fox News has been the only one covering this. And then, uh, was it the Department of, uh, Department of Homeland Security? They actually stopped drones from being flown at the border. They made it illegal, however they, whatever, I don't know if they make it illegal, whatever edict they can pass, because too many people were flying drones showing video of people basically swarming the border. So you said they said you can't do that anymore. Fox actually figured out a way to get some cameras at the border and we're seeing thousands of people, and in this case we're talking mostly about Haitians who are coming through our Mexican border, right? It's not Mexicans even coming through, it's Haitians that somehow get to Mexico and they're flooding our border. We're gonna show you some video of that in just a second. Uh, but Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas uh, was on Fox News yesterday talking about the border crisis. And if you wanna watch a man waffle, here you go. I want to start with those 30,000 Haitian migrants who came across the border into Del Rio, Texas, since September 9th, as you say. You say that 12,400 will have their cases heard by an immigration judge, and another 5,000 are being processed by your department. Mr. Secretary, of those 17,400, 
How many have been released into the U.S. and how many more potentially could be released into the U.S.? So, Chris, um, uh, about 3,000 are actually in detention. Uh, and we make those detention determinations in the best interest of the American public. Others are in immigration court proceedings. They are monitored by us. We impose conditions uh, upon them. So we uh, keep in touch with them and ensure their appearance in court as the law requires. But to answer my question directly, of the 17,400 that weren't deported back or didn't return on their own to Mexico, how many of them either, ha well, first, how many have been released into the U.S.? Uh, they're released on conditions, yes. and, and uh, approximately, I think it's about 10,000 or so, 12,000. Have been released? Yes. And of the 5,000 that are still in process? We will uh, make determinations whether they will be uh, returned uh, to uh, Haiti uh, based on our public health and public interest uh, authorities. So are we talking about a total of 12,000 or could it be even higher? It could uh, it could be even higher. <laughs> it could be even higher. First off, he goes, oh, yeah, 10,000 are in. Then a second later, he's like 12,000. And then he ends it by saying, yeah, it could be even higher. Now, I don't want to make this about Haitians. But at the moment, I am told we are in some sort of pandemic. Have you heard about this, where people are wearing masks all the time and getting endless shots for something? So you'd think at a time like this, we might, if we were a serious country, we might be like, you know, guys, we got to kind of shut down our borders, figure out what's going on in our house. I'm actually not even fully calling for this, but I'm just saying, like, it would be a rational situation. If you think about it as your own home, right? Like if there were zombies coming to your house, you might say, uh, hey, we got to close our doors, make sure we got food, make sure everybody here is okay. And then we can deal with, you know, maybe helping the zombies in the sort of I am legend type situation, right? We can all Will Smith it after that. Uh, but in the midst of the pandemic, we now have, we're being told, 12,000, and he's saying maybe more, Haitians that have basically just walked into the country. Now, we're going to show you some video in just a second. And, and while we were playing that, I was told that the way Fox got the video that we'll show you in, a few, in just a minute or two uh, was that the local sheriff allowed Fox to take video after the Department of Homeland Security basically said nobody can take video anymore. But the sheriffs who were on the ground having to deal with this lunacy from the federal government, basically they want people to be able to see what's happening. So we have 12,000, maybe more people just coming into the country right now. Do we know what these people believe? Do they believe in American values? Are they gonna have jobs here? Do they have family members here? Where are they gonna live? Notice the government really never tells us about any of that stuff. We're just, we're so good, even though we're actually so evil because we're systemically racist and the whole thing, but we're so good, just come on in and bring COVID and bring homelessness and potentially other disease and the rest of it. I mean, it's just sheer nonsense, uh, but we've got a little bit more, I believe, from Mayorkas. Take a look. Why did you allow them in the country in the first place? Why didn't you build, forgive me, a wall or a fence to stop them from walking in this flood of people coming across the dam? It looks like a highway that allows them to cross the Rio Grande. It is this pol the policy of this administration. Uh, we do not agree with the building of the wall. The law provides that individuals can make a claim for humanitarian relief. That is actually one of our proudest traditions. All right. Again, we're going to show you some video in just a second, but I like what he says there. It's the policy not to agree with the wall. Uh, well, that's not a policy. That's just something you don't agree with. What is your policy? That we're just going to allow people to come here no matter who you are. We're not going to ask much. We're in the middle of a pandemic and you can just rampage through the border and run through the border. And by the way, they don't social distance and they don't have masks and everything else. Ah, video.
go. So we're just showing you some video here. It's about a minute long. I thought I'd do a little play-by-play. -play. That's the bridge where a lot of people hang out in tents and stuff. They get over there. This is at the Texas border. You can see people just wandering, just wandering around. People strolling into America. How you doing, America? What's going on? Uh, from what I can tell, and let me, let me get a little bit of a closer look here, uh, it looks like some of the people in that group right there to the right of the bridge Connor, do those people seem socially distanced? Is that, is that an LA? That looks like an LA homeless shelter under the bridge right here near where I live. Um, so they come and, you know, we, again, we don't know, do they have jobs? Do they have family members here? But we literally are letting thousands and thousands of these people in. And just to be clear one more time, this has nothing to do with racism or anything else. Every country exists to have borders. Every country exists to say, you are a citizen, you are not a citizen. It is not a policy to say we don't agree with the wall. That's not a policy. Would a wall potentially stop people from coming in? Yeah, you know, you're walking down the street, and then there's a wall, you might have to go this way, and then there's a wall over here, you might, and then eventually you might turn around. And again, that is also not to say that there aren't legit humanitarian reasons. But we cannot, especially right now, when our country is a freaking mess, okay? Food prices going up. The economy is, is just like wobbling around. House prices going up. We know homelessness. I mean, these people are all gonna go to big cities. And then what happens in big cities? We get more homelessness. We get more drug use. We get more crime, all of those things. And then, you know, you wouldn't want to arrest any of these people who are committing crimes or doing drugs or any of that, because then you'd be racist. So we got a big problem on our hands and all all the Democrats have, and I don't mean to make this a partisan thing, because again, it's not like it's not like the Republicans are so great about anything. But at this point, it's like all the Democrats have is if you don't do what we want when you want us to do it, you're a racist. Well, if having a border and being able to make honest decisions and have having conversations that we're supposed to have as a nation about who can be here, who can't, whether you have to follow the laws, whether we have laws. Uh, if that makes me a racist, then I guess I'm a racist, but I'm pretty sure that's not the definition of racism. But you know, definitions of words are always changing these days real quick, so it's possible it happened during the show, I'll check. Uh, all right, guys, we got one more for you. Uh, this, is, this is really bizarre what happened in the last couple of days uh, on this Democrat caucus, uh, which voted, the Democrat House caucus, which voted 218 to one in favor of a federal law enshrining a right to abortion through all nine months of pregnancy. We've got some images here from CNN as I'm talking. Uh, the Congressional Democrats abortion bill would require that all 50 states allow abortion after viability until birth if a lone healthcare provider determines the pregnancy poses a risk to the parents, uh, to the pregnant patient's mental health. Okay, so there's a couple things we have to talk about here. Now, first off, I wanna preface this all by saying this is where I get more pushback than on anything else from my conservative and right-leading audience, although I do have to say, without question, it's always done respectfully and thoughtfully. Uh, as you guys know, in the book, it's right there, it's right behind me, uh, uh, in Don't Burn This Book, I lay out my position on, on every political issue of our time, and the most difficult 
section to write was about abortion uh, because it brings up existential issues, it brings up philosophical issues and religious issues and scientific issues, and it brings up legal issues. I mean, there's, I found it to be the most difficult to write. It was the only, it was actually the only chapter in the book that I asked for any help from, from anyone. And I had like a lot of interesting conversations, uh, not only with, with David, but with Candace Owens and with Ben Shapiro and, and Dennis Prager. And I talked to uh, several pro-choice people and I talked to my sister, I mean, a whole bunch of people. My position on abortion is that I acknowledge that that when the sperm meets the egg, it's life. I do, I know it, we're in the midst of surrogacy right now, okay? I know that when the sperm meets the egg and then the next thing you know, you got a blastocyst and you got an embryo, it's like, it has to start somewhere. It doesn't just magically start when you want it to start. I, I acknowledge that. I also acknowledge that in a pluralistic society where people have all sorts of beliefs and all sorts of religious views and all of those things, you wanna give a, the maximum amount of freedom to the maximum amount of people. I also don't want the government making decisions for people. So that's why this is so complex. So I get, I completely get the, the pro-life position, which is conception, it's a life, we have to protect life. Now what the conservatives and the right-leaning people don't do that well on this is, okay, if you're gonna say women, you cannot get an abortion, well, are you gonna f help that woman during those nine months of pregnancy? Are you gonna help that woman once the, the baby is born and are you gonna fund things and everything else? Do you want the government to do that? Because you usually don't want the government to do that, so you're gonna put that all on private uh, you know, churches and temples and, and things of that nature, nonprofits. We don't really have that discussion that often, uh, but I've discussed this on the show. You could watch some of my previous interviews with Ben Shapiro and Dennis Prager and other people that are pro-life. What I've said to them is that it's not that their arguments on abortion have made me sort of more, uh, I don't wanna say anti-choice, but more pro-life. It's that the left has gone so bananas with this like they do with everything, everything without exception, that that is what has made me more pro-life. So I used to say 20 weeks. 20 weeks used to be the position where you know, doctors basically said the fetus could feel pain. And I felt that that was a bridge too far. And then of course we can talk about you know, exemptions related to direct health, physical health of the mother. Interestingly, in this bill that the Democrats just passed 218 to one, if you heard the last sentence that I said there, it's now about posing a risk to the pregnant patient's mental health. Mental health, yeah, that's very different than physical health. And you only need one healthcare provider to say it. So you literally could just find a nurse. You could find a friend who's a nurse and you could be seven months pregnant and be like, ah, I just am not in the mood to do this anymore. I'm kind of depressed. And it's like abortion time. That's literally what this will lead to. So this is, this is just messy all over the place, okay? It's messy all over the place. But as I've said to Shapiro and Prager and some of my other, and, and Glenn Beck, some of my other pro-life friends, it's that it's not that their arguments are so convincing to me, right? Because I want the state out of the way and I want people to be able to make choices for themselves and, and we can discuss the, the life or death situation and all that. It's that the left goes so crazy with it that it's like, man, I, I don't want these people near any decision related to a woman, a man, or, or a child, or anyone else. If you think that eight-month abortions are okay, if you think that five-month abortions are okay, like you, you need to be examined. And again, we can talk about the exemptions. We can talk about when there's a true risk to that woman's health. We can talk about when there is a horrific genetic disease that, that that child will never be able to live a fully actualized life. Like we could have all, if we could, if you guys weren't so nuts about everything, we could honestly have those discussions. Again, that's what a healthy society would do, right? It's the same thing as the border story we just covered. In a healthy society, you would take a complex topic. We wanna to be open and pluralistic and allow people to come here and we're a nation of immigrants, but we can't let everybody in, but you can't even have that because you're racist. And in this case, if you have the honest discussion about 
When does life begin? What should a society do? Do you want the government making decisions for women, blah, 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 and for the baby? Uh, you know, you're either, you either hate women or you hate babies or the rest of it. So we gotta get better at some of this stuff. I think that's the theme for this Monday's show, is we gotta get a little better at discussing some of this stuff. I'm gonna keep trying to do that, and I think you will do it along with me. Uh, by the way, guys, uh, just in the last couple of weeks, we've started doing live chat uh, in, in the locals community during this live stream. We're now doing it every day of the week, so if you join us at rubenreport.locals.com, you can chat without bots, without haters, without general psychotic lunatics of the internet, with actual real people. You can have a live chat uh, during the show, and we're working to expand that in, in a couple ways that hopefully I can let you know about in the next little while, so uh, do join us over there. Uh, my interview with Jason Whitlock uh, from Blaze TV's Fearless is up right now. The clips really took off. Full episode just went up yesterday. Uh, and my interview with Jack Posobiec uh, will be coming out tomorrow. And as I said, if you want to live chat during the show, join us at rubenreport.locals.com. And I'm back, people. I know that September's been a little, uh, a little helter-skelter here. We had some holidays early, and then I had this week to New York, but we're fully back. I'm excited to be back in studio. A lot of good stuff's cooking. I'll have some, some other announcements. I'm, I'm pretty good about leading you guys with announcements that good stuff's coming, and then pretty much always come through. We got, we got some good stuff cooking. Over the next couple weeks, I'll have a couple announcements on that front. Anyway, it's Monday. Have a great week, and uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast. And don't forget, you can watch my direct messages live on Blaze TV and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. And of course, if you want to connect with me personally and get early access to my sit-down interviews, join rubenreport.locals.com.